0: Hey, y'all, this is Marcus King, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast.
2: History in five songs. With host Martin Popov. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin.
0: Yes, Martin Popoff here, back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good folks at Pantheon. Um, We are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Lots and lots of uh, music podcasts available on Spotify, iTunes, Megaphone, Podbay, uh, 40 other uh, podcast platforms. All right, so this episode, uh, episode 57, we are going to call this Faith No More and Commercialism. I did not want... On this podcast, to ever do anything sort of normal where we go through a band's catalog um, and rating, uh, rating the catalog, rating the songs, uh, stuff like that, with one band, I thought you know every episode's got to have kind of a twist to it. So I, I really want you to look at this episode as not an episode on faith no more. But an episode on the nature of commercialism in music, in hard rock, you know, we do mostly hard rock and heavy metal here, Faith No More, hard to um, hard to sort of categorize this band. But, um, but yeah, this is going to uh, be a look at, um, you know, where they fit on the scale of commercialism. I'm actually going to rate the catalog uh, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10 in terms of how commercial each album is. I mean... On the show, we only have five songs, so we're going to skip. We're not going to play any music from two of the albums. Uh, That's going to be the first album and the, uh, what is it, one, two, three, four, fifth album, I guess. Um, uh, Album of the Year. We're not going to be playing anything from Album of the Year or from uh, We Care A Lot, but every other album is going to be covered here with a song, but I'm going to talk about them all somewhat. Um, So, okay. Okay. so Faith No More and Commercialism. Obviously, the cool thing about this band was um, they didn't really seem to give a damn about being commercial. And that's kind of the interesting thing as we as we go through the catalog. They basically held their heads up high as a pretty... Creative band that was not concerned with what with what was going on in the marketplace, what was going to happen to them in the marketplace, given uh what kind of record they made at, at any given point in time and uh and that's why we love him Mike Patton went off and did Mr. Bungle and phantomas and and all these other crazy projects um and we know you know no, he's notoriously one of the coolest creative uh you know anti-commercial guys that that you can imagine, really. Um, and the band themselves kind of fit into this as well, but every record has kind of a different uh, relationship to uh, commercialism. Okay, so... Let's just talk briefly a little bit about the the, the first record, and we're not going to play anything off the first record. Um, so the first record is called uh, We Care A Lot. One thing I kind of kind of wanted to mention, and I, I hoped I wouldn't forget about this, is you talk about uh, a band with commercial album titles. Let's go through these album titles quickly. So We Care A Lot. Great. I'd, I'd love to buy a record by a band that cares a lot. Very cool second album's called introduce yourself. Wow. That's great. This band is friendly. They want to introduce themselves to me. Very cool. Uh, and you know, Chuck in the band, Chuck Mosley in the song we're going to play shortly, you know, he introduces the band and stuff. What could be better? Wow. Friendly band. Um, uh, the next album's called the real thing. Who doesn't want the real thing? Where do I sign? You know, uh, you know, credit card or cash. Uh, I, I'd, I'd like a little bit of the real thing. Thank you very much. Um, Then they've got uh, King for a Day. Wow, what a cool concept. I would love to be King for a Day. That sounds like winning the lottery. Very cool. So every album cover is very commercial and very friendly. Um, Although, yes, I left one out in there, and this is my point. They have one in there in between called Angel Dust one of the most notorious horrible hard drugs of all time. So, and when we get to that one, we'll talk a little bit about that, but here they are making a very anti-commercial violent belligerent uh, album title. Uh but as we go on, Album of the Year. Wow, isn't that cool? I'd love to own Album of the Year. This must be a good album. Album of the Year. Um you know, and then and then they end up with uh, Sol Invictus which uh which is not a very commercial title. It's uh it's like, you know, Foreign language kind of title, right? Um, so it doesn't it doesn't hit you between the eyes. But but yeah, it's it's kind of funny that almost all their titles are very very commercial. But this band is not very very commercial. Okay, so yeah, just briefly on the first album, uh, I'm going to give the first album a commercialism rating of four. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting, you know, so here's a band coming into uh, the world. This is a post-punk world. They're from California. They're kind of doing their own twist on post-punk. Um, it's really geometric and rhythmic with a lot of bass, um, just, just very kind of like hypnotic, and and I gotta tell you, um, oh, I'd love to do an episode where I I gotta include this band at some point. But we had a band here in Canada, out of Vancouver, called Sons of Freedom, and uh, they actually ended up on Slash the way um, Faith No More did as well. But this band, they were. Unbelievably legendary and incredible. I saw them a whole bunch of times in my university years. Um, they would have they would wear these white splattered lab coats, and their lighting show would be like a single swinging large light bulb above them. And their sound was so hypnotic and bass heavy. Imagine a super super heavy U two crossed with the Faith No More, um, but just these big crushing heavy riffs. Remember, you know, like U two Bullet the Bulls Blue Sky or something like that, right? But no, this this. Big Stan had this... Big and bass sound, bass and drums. Everything was repetitive. And then Jim, I think his name was Jim. Yeah, the singer just had this sort of laconic, uh, laid back, almost like a Chuck Mosley style of, of singing. And the songs were just really super simple, but they came over great live, just like an ACDC song would, right? Um, but yeah, interesting, interesting band. And uh, they came to mind uh, when I thought about um, this first album from Faith No More on Mordrum. Mordrum? What is it? More, Mortem. Um, 1985. Uh, uh, yeah, November 1985 on Mortem uh, called We Care A Lot. A little confusing because on their band's second album, Introduce Yourself, the big hit off of that was called We Care A Lot. So they, they redid re, uh, re, We Care A Lot there. Um, but yeah, so it reminds me a little bit of, of um, Sons of Freedom. But uh, but. The commercialism rating, no one knows what to do with a sound like this at that point. Um, So, you know, they're on a little label. It doesn't make many waves. I must confess I was not cool enough uh, to get on with the band with the first album. I got on with the second album, the 1987 album. Um, Okay, and with further ado, so what did I say? Yeah, commercialism rating four. Um, Without further ado, let's play a little bit of music. Uh, This is Introduce Yourself. From Introduce Yourself, released April 23rd, 1987, on Slash, uh, Faith No More's second album. Take a listen. From All right. So what a cool band. I mean, basically, uh, you know, grunge has not even really happened yet. Um, basically we're in the middle of the hair metal, uh, era. There's Jane's Addiction. There's, there's some cool stuff coming out of Minneapolis with Husker Du, And, and, um, you know, we've got, we've got Minutemen and Firehose. Um, uh, what was that? Yeah. Husker Du, Soul Asylum, Replacements, that sort of sound. Um, Meat Puppets out of Arizona, right? Um, so there's all this cool, weird, heavy stuff floating around in the ether. And Faith Noir comes with this very, like I say, geometric bass-driven sound. It's a little bit funky. But really big heavy metal riffs out of Jim Martin, right? Um, you know the big frizzy hair and the pink glasses, um, and just a really neat hybrid of a sound. Now commercialism and faith no more. So so this is what I love about this band. This is actually a very commercial album, and why? Because it's fresh, it's charming. I mean Chuck Mosley, the lyrics and his vocals are humorous. Um, it's the kind of it's the kind of commercial that would tweak the antenna of an A&R person, right? Because this is, wow, what a cool, weird interesting music, these, these skate kids that don't seem to like go together doing this post punk thing. It's heavy. And it's, you know, by the way, it's heavier than a lot of hair metal bands. So everybody's starting to scratch their heads saying, wow, there's, there's a way to be heavier than, than hair metal. Hmm. I wonder what that is. Well, we, we found out very, very quickly. It was, it was Soundgarden and Nirvana and Alice in Chains and the Melvins, right? And Mudhoney. But this was a version of that. This was, this was almost like pre grunge grunge, which is essentially a form of post-punk. So punk was this heavy punk thing. Post-punk comes along in the UK, and it's very, um, it's very reliant on on you know big naked open structures with a lot of you know stunned distorted uh, bass guitar in it. A lot of things being carried by the bass. So you hear a lot of that in uh, in Faith No More and. Um, And so they're creating a sound, and it is commercial because it's exciting. It's new. We all loved it when it came out. There was a lot of buzz about this band when they came out. Um, So I'm going to give this a commercialism rating of 6. It's weird. You still don't know what to do with it, but it's a much better version, uh, a much better focused version of this vision that this band had on the We Care A Lot album moving into the Introduce Yourself album. The album cover definitely not commercial at all and the We Care a Lot album definitely not commercial at all. It looked almost like a like a synagogue thing, didn't it? Uh, the, the first album. It was it was quite, quite odd. And Introduce Yourself looks like a big pile of nothing. It's like a big ugly splatter, right? With these with these yellow letters. So, in terms of the album cover, not commercial at all. Um okay. So, let's move on to our uh second track. Take a listen to this. This is falling to pieces from the real thing. All right, so the real thing happens uh, June 20th 1989 slash slash reprise, right? So they're so they're kind of on on the on the Hip Little label but they're now signed to a, a Warner sub imprint reprise, right? Um, But the big thing that happens with this album is that uh, Chuck Mosley is kicked out of the band and we've got uh, Mike Patton uh, in as the lead singer. I don't want to speak ill of Chuck. I don't know if he was. I can't remember now if he was kicked out of the band. I love the guy. I interviewed him before. I love what he did on on uh, on those first two albums. But anyways, so he's out of the band. And Mike Patton comes in. Now, an interesting thing about this record is that Mike Patton comes in way at the end when all the music is done and recorded. and and I guess most of the lyrics are done already. So he's just kind of parachuting in. But it's exciting. This guy comes in and he's got that real twang in his voice and he's bringing that rap uh, element to the band, although Chuck had that too. Um, but Mike uh, Mike is is bringing that in and there's and there's this uh, it, it's essentially the invention of rap metal uh, this band. Um, you know, went on, which went on to be new metal. Um, but, you know, this this is definitely, definitely a hybrid of rap and heavy metal. And the other cool thing about this record is that it's recorded so beautifully and big stadium rocking. All the guitars sound great. The vocals sound great. There's all these bright choruses and pre-choruses like you hear on Falling to Pieces. The other big song was epic. Uh, the album cover, again, not very commercial. Um, but, uh, but no, there, there was a real excitement of him coming into The band of this exciting band. It's a little bit of a corollary to uh, ACDC moving from highway to hell to back in black, you know, necessary vocalist change there because of the death of Bon Scott. But also this really feels to me a lot like, um, Bruce Dickinson coming into iron maiden, Bruce and Mike Patton remind me of the same kind of, you know, like big personality, even a similar, sim, you know, a little bit similar voice, but kind of take over the band, a lot of personality on vocals and, and on lyrics and just personality period front man. Um, But again, it's the same kind of thing. You've got this this other lead singer who is proving to be limited uh, a little bit in Paul D'Anno. And, you know, they're looking to make a change. Things aren't working. I, you know, probably at the same time, I would, I would believe there's a, there's a similarity between Chuck being a little off the rails and Paul Diano being a little off the rails. But you also have, just like the ACDC dc situation, Faith No More and Iron Maiden are these buzz bands. There's an excitement about them. They're bubbling under. All the cool kids know about them. They may explode. They they may they may, may move up and faith and so faith no more does a pretty uncommercial thing in bringing Mike Patton into the band because it's a big risky thing, uh, but he's a pretty commercial sounding guy at this point and he does a lot for the bands. Um, you know fortunes because this album goes on to uh, to platinum in the states, um, uh, gold platinum. I'm looking at the wiki here. I'm cheating a little here, but you know BPI silver. You know British, um, Australia platinum. But you know platinum album in the states. That was so cool, and uh, and they actually uh, ended up on rolling, on the cover of Rolling Stone, I believe. Um, but um, but so this was a big successful album. The commercialism rating again. You you gotta say purely because it is good, just like the previous album, it's commercial. So that's the best kind of commercial, isn't it? In rock and roll, we want we want things to be commercially successful simply because they're good and exciting and fresh. And the Real Thing album was totally all of that. It ha- it had thrash and the rap. It had the rhythmic stuff. Everything was really interesting on it. It was like this new bubbly sound coming up. And on this record, it was recorded absolutely professionally um, so I'm going to give this one a commercialism rating of 8 I'll let you ponder that and we'll take a little break and be right back alright moving on here on History in 5 Songs with Martin Popoff Faith No More and Commercialism episode 57 uh, now we discuss a, uh, a little something of theirs uh, a record of theirs a missive of theirs a uh, a nasty pipe bomb of theirs called Angel Dust <laughs>
2: Rock's get those muffs for the dialogue Call my initials in a dream, that will never leave
0: So essentially what happens with this band um I I actually liken this a little bit to um okay so so first of all obviously you know letting on what we're going to be talking about here they make almost a commercial suicide thing. The commercialism of Faith More goes way down with angel dust. Um, so what happens with this record is that uh, Mike Patton, for the first time, has a big influence. And he's a little bit of a a mental and psychic terrorist, right? Um, he uh, he is starting to uh, uh, reveal these multiple personalities in his voice that's going to take really full flight across Mr. Bungle and certainly into Phantomas, where he uses voice as, as like an extreme metal instrument Um, but he's starting to be that Mike Patton on here Um, you know the album is called Angel Dust as we said before which is a violent nasty thing to call a record but the album cover is even more unsettling because there's a swan on there, and everything looks super, super classy. And then you turn it over, and it's a bunch of uh, you know dead cow and uh, and chickens hanging in a in like a like a meat abattoir kind of thing, right? And then and then the song titles. So they're being they're being basically psychic terrorists. They're they're creating a rend in the psychic fabric of your expectations of what Faith No More are supposed to be. Now, I I find this uh, similar with uh, Nirvana, what happened to them after... After uh, Nevermind, right? So they they kind of do the commercial suicide album a little bit. Um, I thought Masters of Reality did it a little bit after the uh, debut, and they went to Sunrise on the Suffer bus. I, that was a huge disappointment uh, to me. They get Ginger Baker in on drums, which is bizarre, but I don't like that record very much. Uh, a huge one to me was Ministry moving from Psalm 69 to Filth Pig. I could not believe how horrible and anti-commercial and cantankerous Filth Pig was. Alice and Chains kind of do the same thing between, you know, there's extenuating circumstances, but between Dirt and a record that is so confusing they can't even think of a title for it. So it's just called Alice and Chains with that, you know, horrible, sad image of the three-legged dog on the cover beyond the behind the neon, you know, jewel case thing. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of this going on, a little bit of this um, grunge has happened, Grunge has been hyped, it's taken over, Uh, cynicism can even set in to a band who has pure creative purposes, and your minds just get blown, and Faith No More goes and blows their own minds and puts out this pretty uncommercial record in Angel Dust. And I remember uh, interviewing the guys. I can't remember which guy I was talking to. I've, I've interviewed Mike... I think I've interviewed everybody except Jim, and then the later guitarists I have not interviewed either. Um, yeah, I've interviewed Chuck as well. But um, one of the interesting things about this record is, um, you know, apparently, apparently, what were the numbers? They, uh, he, whoever was a uh, um, who I was talking to, I believe it might have been uh, Roddy, um, who who moved to France. I think it was Roddy. Anyways, basically, uh, the real thing sold, you know, a million. Uh, copies, or I, I think he said two million worldwide, uh, but only five hundred thousand in Europe. And I think he said something like fa- uh, "Angel Dust," which is officially RIAA certified gold in uh, in America. So, so they go from platinum down to gold with Angel Dust. And really, this thing only goes gold because of the hangover effect of the real thing. I mean, it is not if this if this was a record by a new band, it would not be going gold. Um, But basically, um, I think he told me that Europe really got Angel Dust and it sold 2 million copies across all of the European territories, whereas, uh, whereas, yeah, it's certified gold, which is for 500,000 in the States. So, um, so yeah, um, what did we just play? Uh, we just played, oh yeah, we played kindergarten. Did I mention it was kindergarten? So anyways, um. Yeah, so you know this had a lot of uh, a lot of crazy, weird songs on it that were very unsettling. Caffeine, midlife crisis was kind of the big hit on it, but it was it was actually pretty pretty dark. Uh, RV was the one where he's mumbling around, you know, and he's, you know thinking thinking, oh, let's uh, let's commit suicide. There's songs on here called Crack Hitler. Jizzlobber, um you know be aggressive has those those eerie female vocals in it um you know very ironic sort of sounding everything's ruined um so this was a very dark album and kind of a disappointment i mean i was disappointed with it i do love real thing i and introduce yourself the most but i still quite liked it um so yeah so on a commercialism rating we're going to give this one a five out of ten on commercialism uh okay so uh moving on so let's see. So we are, um, yeah. So I'm gonna skip album of the year, which is after this one. But let's, uh, so let's play this first. Take a listen to this. This is "Digging the Grave" from King for a Day, uh, released March twenty eighth, nineteen ninety five. Uh, the first and the and the only one with uh, Trace Spruance on guitar. Take a listen. <laughs> All right so what I find interesting on the subject of commercialism with this one is I almost feel like the label reprise somebody said uh, maybe even maybe even uh, uh, oh, I don't I don't know what Andy Wallace uh, would would have said on this on this effect but I mean Andy is very important to Faith Moore of course uh, as well but one thing I find about this record was I thought they slightly reversed they they basically behaved themselves a little more than they did on Angel Dust. Um, I thought it was a very utilitarian, uh, good album. A little more conservative. Uh, the production was very conservative on it. Um, just a good mix of guitar, bass, and drums. The songs were a little more, um, a little more immediate. Um, And yeah, you, you look later on on the album, take this bottle, great mellow one, just a man, a great mellow one. Um, star AD is that, that kind of jazzy one, but it's a, it's a great accomplished, you know, um, uh, ambitious production, gentle art of making enemies, a get out is, is a nice quick one, right? Um, but uh, yeah, dig in the grave. Just kind of a straightforward, cool punk, rocky, chugging metal sort of tune. So um, I liked this album more than I liked um, Angel Dust, and I found it kind of interesting that uh, that it is a little more commercial. Um, than Angel Dust, and uh, there was just a lot more to like on it. Fourteen songs on it. It's a long album. Um, but yeah, really, really good sounding album. Super high fidelity. 1995, so we're we're in the late stages of grunge, which is, you know, an, an ancillary or parallel thing going on north of where Faith No More is in Seattle, but you know, you think of what Soundgarden is doing at the time. As I mentioned, Alice in Chains at the time is being very anti-commercial, but that's, that's a whole drug problem. Um, so so yeah, I, I found it. I, I found it kind of interesting. I, I I might have I might have even looked down on the band just a shade um, for doing it, but I thought it was a little more of a conservative album than Angel Dust. But I was still happy uh, happy with it and played it a lot more. So I'm going to give this one a commercialism rating of seven out of ten. All right. So moving on. Um, yeah, I, I thought a funny thing in the middle was uh, was uh, remember uh, what year is this? 1993. Um, so. I thought I found it funny that they went and made this uh Songs to Make Love to um EP, right? And remember they covered Lionel Richie's Easy on here with with of course some sort of level of uh, you know, irony that none of us uh, you know, normals are uh, are deep enough to understand, but essentially it became a little bit of a hit for them. So talk about commercial. I mean, this is basically going straight between the eyes and saying, "You want commercial?" Here's our straight, played straight, straight-faced cover of Lionel Richie, uh, "Easy." So that that was pretty funny. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna skip Album of the Year. But but one of the things I found funny about Album of the Year is that on the commercialism level, they stepped back a bit again. I I thought I thought Album of the Year. Um, sounds, uh, in terms of complexion, a lot like, uh, King for a Day, but the songs are just a little murkier, a little darker, a little less hooky. Um, they're, they're just not as easy to get into, I, I imagine, um, is, is the way I would put it. Let me just check something here. So, so yeah, so basically I, I remember playing this album and I played a lot. I find the production, uh, very, um, very, uh, very conservative. There's nothing wrong with the production. And even kind of like the layouts and the arrangements of the songs are pretty conservative. So in that way, it sounds like king for a day. But, you know, an A&R guy would probably take this album and say, you know what, I can't find any hits on here. I can't find any songs. There's no songs. Where are your songs? And that's the, that's how I feel about this. So this one we're not going to play. I'm going to give it a commercialism rating of five out of uh, out of ten. All right. So our last one, uh, so take a listen to this. Let's play. It. Let's play it first. This is our fifth and last selection here on History in Five Songs. This is "Rise of the Fall" from Sol Invictus, released May nineteenth, twenty fifteen. All right, so yeah, what a cool thing. Faith No More comes back um and they actually give us a whole new studio album. They write every song on it. It's the same lineup as the album of the year. Um so uh I was I was totally more more pumped for this album than any album by any band kind of reforming for a long long time. And then I was kind of disappointed because I found it not very commercial and I like the commercial Faith No More, right? Um, so so this song is actually pretty cool and pretty commercial. Um, you know, as you can tell, they're doing a lot of things you love from Faith No More. I thought Matador was pretty cool. Um, but, you know... One thing I don't like about this record is Mike Patton seems to be really way down in his register and not pushing a lot of air and just, and the persona he uses the most is that low mumbling uh, Mike Patton. I found that really kind of weird, but He does also give us probably more variety on this album, a la what he's sort of picked up from all those years of doing Mr. Bungle and Phantomas, and he puts that into this. The thing I love about this record is that I want to like it more because it is so intellectual. It is... There's a lot of weird musical arrangements and things going on on this record, um, but they're weird, but they're sparse and they're low key. And again, they're not very hooky, but you listen to them and you marvel at the craft uh, that went into this album. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um only 10 songs on it, I believe, right? Um, so it's not it's not a very long album. That kind of ticked me off a little bit. Let me look at it here. Um, so yeah, um, I, I loved Sunny Side Up as well. I think that's probably the most commercial song uh, on the whole album. So... So there you go. I mean, um, and this is this is the second one for John Hudson in on guitar, but, you know, who the guitarist in the in the band is in Faith No More is actually kind of an inconsequential thing. It's not one of the big things that's important. Uh, you know, this is very much uh, a, a creative, uh, you know, Tetris between Roddy Bottom, Billy Gould, and Mike Patton, right? Um, Mike Borden, of course, is a very important drummer for this band. He obviously went on and did did big famous things. Um, but yeah, a lot, you know, the band right from the beginning has had a lot of sort of tribal, simple drum patterns, um, or or things that are tribal and even more complex, but they're not very commercial when that happens, right? There's no groove, there's no big beat, so you're not headbanging to it, is, is I guess what I'm saying. So um, so there you go. Unfortunately, I was a little disappointed with this record, although I really kind of admire uh, what they did on it, but, uh, but, you know, I'm just a wimp for wanting to have a song stick to me with a bit of a hook, right? I I want some ear candy. I want, well, ear candy is a different thing. There's a lot of ear candy on here, but there's not a lot of hooks on here. So, and I, I, this this might even be a darker album lyrically and intellectually and on the literary side than even Angel Dust. So take that for what it is. Um, so um, in terms of commercialism, again, you got to be really proud of the guys for not making a super commercial album, and they didn't really previously. Uh, that's that's for sure. I don't think Album of the Year is very commercial. Um, so they're basically just going around, going along and doing their thing, and a lot, and they have so many fans around the world that just love that they're this creative band that doesn't doesn't care about singles and selling lots and lots of records. We're just going to do what we do because we're crazy, crazy, crazy music snobs, right? Um, So that's the cool thing about Faith No More. Uh, So commercial rating on this one, I am going to give this a 5 out of 10. Um, Crazy. Um, but yes, not a very commercial album. There you go. So let's wrap up there. Um, thanks for joining me again on History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. I always wonder, I hope a lot of people listen to these things, but obviously to listen to this one, you probably got to be a Faith More fan to listen to this one, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I hope you all came along. Um, you know, the the amount of people who have been listening, this, the show's been growing and growing like crazy. I love it. I love watching the, the numbers. I'm very guilty at checking on them every once in a while because I always want to see how these episodes episodes do. Um, but yeah, I'm a little worried. Like I say, um, when I do one on one band, I always wonder, Hmm, how's, how's it going to do? Anyways, I guess we'll find out. Uh, so go to our Facebook. Um, you can go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Um, right now I'm waiting on a pallet of books. That's going to have more of the, um, it's going to have, I'll, I'll have back in stock, the Bluish to Cult visual biography agents of fortune. The other Bluish to Cult book is in there. I ran out a few other things that are in there that people are waiting on orders. Thank you for being patient. Um, um, I'm actually getting more Where Eagles Dare, the first of the Iron Maiden trilogy. So it'll be I'll, I'll have all three of those together for for the first time in a while, which is kind of cool because uh, I did run out of that one. Um, that's it. Yeah, MartinPopoff.com, PayPal buttons there. Go to our go to our Facebook page, comment. Um, let's wrap it up there. Go play some Faith No More at R&R Archaeology.
1: 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike?